Hello and welcome to Geek Space 9, the podcast that is the discovery and or rediscovery of Star Trek Deep Space 9. With me as always is Peter Dancy. Peter, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Doing well. And also with me as always is the lovely and beautiful Sarah Becker. Hello everybody. And I am Ben Haworth. So, this week, we are discussing... Well, if I'm being honest again, we are discussing... (laughs) uh, Sanctuary and Rivals. Unfortunately, our last podcast is stuck in the Mirror Universe. It was kidnapped by our evil counterparts with goatees. Never to be seen again. Yeah. So, we will be re-recording our thoughts. Unfortunately, it's a really good conversation, but we'll have another good one. Damn it. Because I demand (laughs) So, this week, we saw Season 2, Episode 10, and Episode 11, which is Sanctuary and Rivals. So, first up is Sanctuary. In this episode, a damaged vessel comes through the wormhole, and before the vessel explodes, its passengers are transported aboard Deep Space Nine. Originally, they cannot speak our language, but eventually, Kira is able to decipher their language through the vocal translator, and we discover that they are a race called the Screens. We discovered that their leader of these people, uh, at least of this group, is called Hanik. She is one of many screens who escaped a planet that was recently freed. They were slaves to this other race that were conquered by the Dominion. Ooh, Ever Dominion. present, super ominous. It's coming. Ominous. Oh, I can't talk. Yep, it's coming. Something's coming about it. So. The Screens, now free, are looking for a new homeworld. In their religion, they believe that the world known as... Ah, oh, I had it. Cantana would be their salvation, and that it would be found across the eye of the universe, which would be the wormhole. So Hanik, getting uh, this information to Kira, informs her that there are three million Screens who need a new home. So, Kira and Hanik start working out uh, where to put everyone. The Federation wants to put them on the planet known as Jerelon 2. But, uh, intriguingly enough, uh, Hanik believes that where they're supposed to go is actually Bajor, because uh, Kitana is known as a planet of sadness that uh, these Koreans would help revive. This is brought before the Bajoran government, but the Bajoran government says no, that they're just too worn out and too decimated by the Cardassians to possibly keep the Screens uh, in any meaningful way. Uh, meanwhile, Hanik's son, Tumak, becomes sort of disillusioned. He really wants to get off the ship. He has a couple encounters with Nog. <laughs> Uh, Yay! You got it right this time. Watching you, watching you, like try to think, like what, like, <laughs> like, like literally going through the three of her angles, you know, like is it this one? No, this one. No. Okay, cool. Yes, got it. <sighs> they need like it's the problem is there's two with two, there's two with three letter names, and, and like, they both have O. Breaks in my the brain, right? And yeah, the, there was a five letter and a four letter and a three letter name person. I don't think it have this problem. Like you'd think that Rom would be more creative in naming his son, but it's like, nope, let's keep it simple. It's Rom, let's be real. <laughs> At least he didn't name his son Gone, which is Nog backwards. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after a few encounters with Nog, Tumok, uh, who is not willing to go to Draylon 2, 
steals a ship and goes to Bajor. Unfortunately, uh, due to encounter with uh, unforeseen, due to sort of a misunderstandings on both sides, the ship is destroyed. This combined with Kira not able to convince the government to um, allow the Screens to live on Bajor means that Hanik and Kira's budding friendship ends rather quickly. We end on a really dark note where the Screens uh, leave for Draylon 2 before they do. Hanik says that they were farmers and that Bajor is suffering through a famine and maybe uh, they could have helped the Bajorans, but they'll never know for sure. And they leave and we end on sort of an ominous note with Kira alone, like we do a lot of episodes. So, what do we think of Sanctuary? Well, the more I think about this episode, the more I... I I think I like it. I mean, I, I, I liked it before, but I was I had sort of a more blasé attitude towards it just because it's not one of the more fun episodes or, or silly episodes, which always, you know, produces a good chuckle out of me. Nor does it have too much emotional gravitas with any of the main cast members, except for at the end when Kira loses her new friend. Uh, that being said, it does take a really interesting look at uh, refugee situations, which unfortunately seem to be an ever-present thing in the real world, and it's a an interesting way of looking at it. No, I, I agree. I think this episode is very interesting for the way it uh, deals with the refugee crisis. I mentioned last time, uh, the long-lost episode, that <laughs> I think it probably... And correct me, nerdy history people, but my guess is probably the refugee crisis this was probably addressing at the time was the Cuban refugee crisis with the whole Elian Gonzalez issue and things like that. Um, but what makes sci-fi so interesting is that it has the ability to be universal and there is always probably going to be a refugee crisis. Now, Sarah's right, we have more of a refugee crisis now than I think we've had probably since the 90s. So it does feel very present now but i think one thing that's very interesting is these are always going to be the same kinds of issues that mm-hmm. we're going to be addressing peter how do you feel about this episode uh on the second <laughs> discussion of it uh <laughs> yeah um i'm I'm the, I'm the same as sarah like i I, re- I really enjoyed it the first time around but but like thinking about it more like i i, th- I came to 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 to, re- to really appreciate like I I kind of I kind of the details like um like um like one 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 of the, one of the things about the screens is, is that is that they are a matriarchal they are a, matri- a matriarchal society so yes, so, so, yes. yeah which, which as we discussed before God that's gonna be a theme today um Sarah totally loved <laughs> maybe and, we'll try to say we yeah, we said all this before so we're gonna say it again right <laughs> we'll yeah. just do a blanket statement on that yeah but continue but uh but uh, there uh, the screens are a matriarchal society so the women run the show because they feel because they feel they f- they find that males are too emotional and adversarial to make any like you know significant decisions and actually now that and I now that we're recording this after the presidential <laughs> debates oh yeah. my god <laughs> and, 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 yeah yeah and, and, for, and for and for me and for me actually thinking about it i'm i'm now i'm now starting to wonder which came first this episode or topanga in the early days of boy meets world Right, <laughs> like I, I, I just thought of that, and I, I just thought of that, like when they when they were all standing in Mr. Feeney's class, and she was like, "I have an idea for a society. Men live underground. They are basically just sperm banks." And I'm just like, "Oh God." Um, <laughs> we're married. You're breeding stock. I'll take it. Right. <laughs> um, I love that episode. But I, but I, I, I found this episode like um, at least for that, uh, for, for that, for that note, I found this interesting because that because. It is with the screens being matriarchal. It is 
in pretty much direct contrast to the Ferengi who are totally patriarchal. Women like literally have nothing can't do right. can't do a Very damn true. thing and and now and now we're and and of, co- and of course and of, and of course they as a race totally like pretty much completely discuss kira and now and, and now instead we're getting a group where where the first woman that kira meets she is connecting with um both like both and just how they both and just how and how they think about and how they think about things and how they address them and, and then also just you know in, in in the interactions that they have while while on the space station so 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 I, so Nate that make a good sorry. no no that was the end of my thought pretty much okay no I make a good entry point I didn't even think about with the Ferengi that the the men in their matriarchal society are actually much better off than the women in their patriarchal society and the Ferengis because at least the men get to go on ships with the women right and go with them versus staying on their home planet their entire lives naked though mm-hmm. I did like I enjoyed the part very much where um, Kira talks to uh, Hanik. And she's like, "Are those your husbands?" She's like, "What's that?" She's <laughs> like, "They are my mates. They are, they are they're my mates." <laughs> she's like, "Do you sleep with them all?" And she's like, "Yeah." Uh, d- she's like, "Duh." Don't you have any? It's <laughs> like I don't have any, and then like I don't have any, and I don't have a mate. And then he gives her that look, and she's like, "Okay, not not yet. Like not quite yet." <laughs> so yes, I, I did really really enjoy that quite a bit and i also just in general really enjoyed uh kira and hanik's friendship in this episode i thought it was nice to see a uh, female friendship sort of budding we've had one sort of in bits and pieces with jadzia and kira but never except for that one episode for very long but they did give a i think it was even this episode or the other they gave a very shipping uh look at each other <laughs> there was one look I don't know if Sarah would remember. I it. missed that. I have to go back and find it. Same. There's some. There's one look where where Jedzia turns from a computer and looks at Kira, and I'm gonna mime it. So sorry, podcast listeners, but it's literally like it's like so <laughs> sweet and adorable. Oh. <laughs> like, and and you could literally just put them in a heart, and it would just be perfect. Oh. Like Tumblr. <laughs> I ship it. I ship it so hard. It will never happen, or it didn't happen. But I. I I want it. Photoshop that shit. I want it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, did you enjoy Hanik and Kira's relationship in this episode? Absolutely. I really did. Um, I, I really liked that scene where Kira buys Hanik a dress because earlier oh, on in the episode, yeah. before they were able to understand one another, yeah, Hanik kept in. gesturing at this dress and you know kept repeating a, a word or a phrase over and over again. And so Kira bought this dress for her as a token of friendship. And um, Hanik looks really confused. And Kira said, well, didn't you like it? And Hanik said, actually, I was saying that that was the ugliest thing I had ever seen. And <laughs> Kira kind of chuckles and says, me too. And they have a, you know, a, a good laugh about it. And it's a very sweet scene. And we see this sort of softer side of Kira that doesn't come out as often, which I appreciated. Yeah, and it, it, was, also, it was also nice to know that it was also nice to know that not everyone in the future feels that future fashions involves nothing but neon and sparkles and silver and gold and glitter right. and, sh- and shiny. Yes. It's like nope. It, it, it can it can look good. It, 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 it can look like futuristic without without being without being like super flash or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah, it almost felt like yeah, a conscious parody of something like Flash Gordon, which is like <laughs> so over the top that it's purposely silly looking. 
What, and so, yes, like we said, this episode deals with a lot of sort of refugee issues, and it is very prescient right now. Um, I think that was interesting that like they did include um, that xenophobia is so not a thing in Star Trek that a lot of the issues had to be more related to sort of economy or class or things like that, which I thought was sort of interesting. Because the only person mm-hmm. who outright hate yeah. them so much is Quark, and that is more because... Um, they don't have money. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he. Cork first and foremost is a Ferengi, and Ferengi is mm-hmm. basically is Ferengi is basically synonymous with the businessman. Right, but he gives a lot of the same reasons we hear in like you know modern day refugee issues, where like yeah, oh, they're dirty, they're unkempt, they're uh, you can't trust them, crime ridden, yeah. But he. Uh, Jumping off of the point that you made earlier, Peter, I do th- mm. or uh, looking back on that, I do think it's interesting that among all the reasons Quark does not like the Screans, not once does he bring up "I don't like the fact that all these women are in power." This hmm. is which true. is kind of cool, despite the fact that he's a Ferengi. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, I, 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 and, and, and actually, going back to going back, God, what what what, what was that episode? Um, with the uh, female friend. Yeah, 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 rules of rules of acquisition. Going going back going back to that episode uh, when uh, when he was dealing dealing with Pell, I I, f- I feel I feel that for Quark, um, uh, in in a, in a, sim- in a similar way where, where in a similar way where he more or less respected Pell for for taking as much initiative as she as she did as a female Ferengi getting off planet, getting clothes, and trying to acquire profit. I think. I I I, th- I think much like how he admires and respects uh, Dax and Kira, albeit in a slightly creepy way, but not as but not as <laughs> but but not as creepy as the Nagus. He admires never as creepy as the Nagus. Oh my God! Yeah, never, never go full Nagus. <laughs> never. <laughs> um, I I, I feel I feel that Quark at at, le- at the very least admires authority and power. That's yes. very true. That's very true. I think you're right in that sense, in that, you know, he didn't leave with that woman being like, uh, how dare you, you know what I mean? We did a little bit, but you're right, he left with a much more budding respect for for people of power and people who have skill and class and intelligence and things like that that he can respect. Right. He just doesn't respect anybody who's on his turf, I guess, in his, <laughs> his competition in any sense. He's sort That's of a Daniel Clay you in that way. Yes, yes, is what I'm referring to for sure. But yeah, as you were saying, with um, the reasons that were given by the Bajorans for why they don't want the the Skrians to settle on Bajor, like I uh, I would I would have of course liked to have seen the Skrians be able to settle on Bajor, and I think that would have been a really interesting dynamic to explore in future episodes. But all of the reasons that um, the minister and, and Vedic Sorad gave for not accepting the Skrians all made logical sense. Like, you know, Bajor is still working on supporting themselves and becoming their own nation or planet or whatever yeah. once again. And uh, as we said before, they're, you know, sort of undergoing a bit of a famine right now. They can barely afford to feed themselves, let alone worry about taking care of anyone else. Um, and although I do think the Skrians would have been quite self-sufficient and indeed probably could have helped Bajor out, I still see where the Bajoran politicians were coming from in right, that right. which seems to be a better reason than some countries give now for not accepting refugees 
where it's like pretty much nothing but fear of the uh, fear, fear of the unknown danger. Mm-hmm. That yeah, th- that, it, it was that never th- about that. It was we can't even take care of ourselves, let alone an entire new race of people. Right, and 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 they and they didn't want to, they they, they didn't want the screens to be under that to be under that kind of um, to, to to be in that kind of situation, and, and they didn't also want to put themselves and and so base and have like basically two two races of people just like okay we're all now we're all now struggling mm-hmm. right but even then still Hanik ends the episode sort of saying um the Cardassians have made you afraid you know what which I mean? is true yes she's yeah. exactly and so right one could say it's very, a very similar thing and I'm totally stealing the point Peter said yesterday so <laughs> props to Peter <laughs> but uh uh you made a good point, Peter, last time where he said a similar thing in America where a lot of the fears comes from terrorism that we're going to bring in a bunch of uh, right. Syrian terrorists and 15 years of news and terrorist acts on our own soil have made us completely afraid of anybody from anything that could even be remotely associated with it in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Yep. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to end the episode with, which is like, you know, our exchange of culture could have actually been better for you in the long run right. than... Uh, just being isolationist, which is often true. I mean, that's sort of one reasons people say America has excelled so much as as a lot of the times when it's taken in refugees, it's excelled at some new thing. Um, yeah. But you know, the Holocaust being a good recent example, um, a lot of Jewish scientists and things like that who came over. So there's certainly a, a, I feel like this comes across as pro refugee at the end, but I still think it brings up enough issues that you can see both sides mm-hmm. of where yeah. they're coming from. And I agree, Sarah. It's nice that the Bajorans aren't just yeah, they're gross. Um, it does come out of a much skin. more <laughs> flaky yeah. skin, as Quark says. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't uh, this wasn't um, Michael. Uh, I forget his last name, but the guy who does all the makeup for the show it wasn't his best work. It was it was like Michael Westmore. Kind of, Michael Westmore, yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Yes. She remembers. It wasn't I his know best that work. from Face like, Off. Yes, he's actually, yeah, we, he's yeah awesome. we were talking about that. That's true. Yeah, he's. If you haven't watched Face Off, watch Face Off. Seriously, later seasons when he's on there. All the time, it's, great. it's like Project Runway for geeks, and it's much so better is. than Project Runway. Yeah. <laughs> it so is. Granted, I, gr- granted, right. I will, I will marathon both shows because they're both fun to watch. But yeah, that's fair. But yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely face off. Like, if you haven't watched it, I'm not sure if it's on the air right now or anymore, for that matter. But yeah, listeners, go back and watch that show. It's the. Tits. It's not on right now, but there, there was a new season within the last year. Oh, okay, okay. I, I think I remember watching it like maybe. You know, earlier at the beginning of 2016. Things to binge watch. Woo! Now, one thing we didn't, uh, I forgot to bring it last time, because it's kind of a weird part of the f- episode that they kind of leave behind, is what was the point of the musical guy? The guy who was sort of the. Uh, oh, I forgot incredible... about him. I want to write a paper about that instrument. <laughs> I totally it was, it sounded that. so cool. It did sound really cool, and it was sort of an interesting idea of like the the Ishtak Perlman of uh, you know Bajoran society, like this incredible you know the Yo Yo Ma or whatever oh, you know, yeah. whatever <laughs> reference you want to do of like a extremely incredible virtuoso in this instrument who can't play anywhere because all the Coliseums, I guess, are basically destroyed. And he keeps asking Kira to help them rebuild the Forum. Um, but they never address it, and they never you only see him twice. Uh, as far as I can tell from memory, Alpha he never comes back. So I'm curious what the point of that really was. I, I, I guess the point I guess the point of him was was to introduce 
how was was to was to introduce how Kira did not always agree with the final decisions that uh, that that Bejor's provisional government would make with 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 them with them saying no to so much. I think that was the point, but it unfortunately got lost in and lost in the actual plot of the sh- of the episode. That is a very good point. Yeah, I I, I, I I didn't realize I didn't realize it, but like, but but th- but thinking back through that scene with with him being with him being like, have you talked to the provisional government? Kira was like, I have. They're still saying no, but I'm working on it. Like, I I, I almost got them. It's like okay, mm. that like that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I did love that sequence though. It's a great thing where Odo hires someone, and everyone's so entranced by how beautiful his music is. No one's eating or drinking. <laughs> yeah, cor- yeah, Cork's Just... like Cork's like, what do you see? People enjoying music, exactly, but they're not buying. I have a problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> and our our favorite bar patron Morn even sheds a, a lone Morn. tear. <laughs> yeah. I love Morn. So Sarah, that wasn't like an actual instrument. Was it like a combination of instruments? Because what would you uh, guess that well, instrument I they would, were doing? Was? I would need to look at a picture of it again because it looked like a you know a future version of like a recorder or some kind of oh, in, yeah, you know wind instrument. But yeah, like the sound oboe, yeah. it was producing sounded more like strings or it yeah, sounded like it yeah. had like a synthy string backing track to it or, so, or something <laughs> and uh yeah but it was it was neat i uh i'm the resident music person on this podcast and so i like whenever weird music things come up i think my ideal career uh has not been invented yet because i would like to be <laughs> A xenomusicologist, which means I would study the musical instruments and culture of alien civilization. We're, we're, we're that would be great. We're just waiting on first contact <laughs> to happen in real life. That's yep. really all we're waiting. That is on. that yes. is my dream job. You will not find a more enthusiastic <laughs> music person to go study these things. Sarah just wants to go to Alien Race and be like, "How does this work?" How's this yes. What is this? What sound does it produce? How do I play this? Talk to me Go. about chord structure. And they'll be like, "What's chord structure? We just flow." It's, uh, how many octaves do you guys have? And they'll be like, "87." Yeah. You'll be like, "I'm sorry, come again." <laughs> what does the uh, keys and tonal structure and things? <laughs> so, what do we feel uh, about uh, uh, Tumak and sort of side parallel story we have with? Uh, her son and his issues with uh, Nog and uh, his eventual death. Mm. Tragic. At least, at least to say in like a word, tragic and mm. really just unfortunate. Like beyond unfortunate that it had to happen. That that and uh, I, 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 I think I, I think I think Sari made this point. And once again, I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna be the one to steal a point. Uh, it, it was it was weird how. It was weird how little of a reaction we saw from the Screens over Tumok's death, and how that was used ultimately as like the breaking, as like the breaking point between like we want to go to Bajor, you know what? Never mind, forget you guys. We're we're we're, we're gonna go to Draylon too. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree because it's. Um, I think that sequence is really good. It's a a good example of uh, Star Trek doing the best with a very small budget. Uh, they don't have the budget to show fighters actually fighting, so it's all done in dialogue and, and blips on a map, mm-hmm. and uh, it's super well done. It's like really quickly edited, and it's got great delivery from all the actors. But I agree, it's all kind of in service of something that doesn't really add up to much mm-hmm. for the whole episode. 
it's it's placement and the things that happen in the scene make me feel like it was meant to sort of be the climax of the episode like you know someone dies right. which right. you know with the exception of red shirts that doesn't really happen very often on star trek certainly not on deep space nine um so the fact that you know that happened all just so quickly and there was little to no aftermath it didn't feel as climactic as i think it should have been or as they wanted it to be i don't know yeah like, like it was such right a quick, it was such a quick turnaround between between the ship the two marks this the ship the tumak was on exploding and 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 him and the like other two or three like other like two or three i think yeah essentially children who who, who were on the ship dying and then it's like nope and after that we're gone Right, it did, I guess because it didn't change anything plot or character-wise in a sense. Mm. Yeah. Because by that point, Hanik already was mad at Kira. Which I didn't um, like. I mean, like, I, I understood it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I understood it, but I didn't like it because... I'm going to make this point again. Um, I, like, I, I totally understand why uh, why Hanik was so disappointed um, and, uh, and upset and pissed off at Kira. Because, because here's a woman who... Is her, here's a woman who is from a society that is run by women, um, who, who 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 by virtue of being the first to go through the wormhole, which they which the, which they called the Eye, in order to in order to reach Kentana, has been made the leader of her people. So she's now the leader of three million people, three million souls. She meets another she meets another woman another woman on the other side who she connects with and feel and feels should have more power. But when and and and, and so and so and she know and she knows that this woman Kira is on her side. But when her, but when what she wants is not met, she all of a sudden just becomes ice cold and completely shuts down towards Kira. For me, whether like whether it was personally or indirectly, I have seen that happen. Like I mean, and and, and granted, and granted, in situations that are not nearly as not nearly as big and dire as this one, but still, I've seen that happen. I've had friends where everything's fine and hunky dory, but the second someone says no, they completely shut you off. Like I, I, I get, I guess because I, I guess because I've gone through it. When that happened, when when Hinek did that, that pissed me off. Like that, I I did not. I understood why she did it, but I, I still. I still did not understand why she had no remorse for just saying we're not friends because you can't do anything. Right. I think it's a uh, tough because uh, one could probably argue that because they're a slave race that don't know dis- diplomacy and that they're more based on it seems like religious and maybe even tribal ideas that those things would be a lot more harsh to them right than to us maybe in our modern day where it's like well you know you get a planet at the end of the day you know what i mean you do get the federation did help you out you are going to live you're in a place that will serve help serve make sure you survive um but you had to give up concessions and just didn't work out the way you wanted to right you know which makes sense and so maybe that's why i could say i agree that maybe her reaction isn't fair but maybe it's coming from a different sort of culture than Kira's we're used to with the more diplomatic side that she's used to now versus the, the sort of we're freed people and we want what's been due to us all these years for all these years of oppression yeah that's yeah, that, that, like I, I when you say that like I, I it, it definitely makes sense so it's like it's fair it's fair it's just that it's like maybe be less harsh about it 
I feel you. I feel you. But yeah, like I said, with the the two mug stuff, it's just like she already had made up her mind at that point, and it didn't really change her mind. She's still mad at Kira, you know, maybe even more so, and it didn't change the plot so much. So it felt like his death was kind of a bit of tacked on extra yeah. tragedy yeah. that didn't necessarily have to happen. So, is there anything else we want to talk about for Sanctuary? Uh, well, I briefly would like to bring up the Universal Translator thing at the beginning. Yeah, I didn't bring that that up in our original recording of this episode. Um, but uh, I have always wondered about that, because it seems that when a new alien race shows up on Star Trek, and this is true for just about any of the, the different Star Trek series, with the exception of um, the episode Darmok, which is just one of the most fantastic episodes in the next generation um, and typically but, uh, i'll just i'll quickly say typically um yeah tng era onward which is what i'm thinking about i'm gonna look up the universal translator while we talk but uh mm. i noticed in tos like klingons fairly speak klingon and they you know, usually communicate and vulcans speak vulcan and it's not usually translated so like yeah oh, okay I'm, I'm guessing it's something that's invented after tos but i'll look oh. into that fair enough um but yeah so i guess um from after the original series then uh anytime a new race shows up everyone just happens to be able to understand each other and i'm like does everyone just speak english now like what (laughs) you're from the gamma quadrant why do you know how to speak and even then for that matter there's um you know earlier on in this in deep space nine when uh like um what was the the reptilian guy tosk yeah yeah yeah, tosk Everyone understood mm-hmm. Tosk when he oh, showed up right good. away. Everyone understood Tosk's, you know, pursuers when they showed up right away. And uh, they'd never come into contact with either of these races before. So I was just like, why Why isn't there a language barrier? But now that I know about the Universal Translator, I know how that was solved. But then why didn't it pick up this language immediately as it did with, say, Tosk's language Right, this is something about, like, their syntax is something that they've never encountered before, so it had to, Mm. like... And it's interesting, because what was neat was it got to the... um, Basically, it figured out the language through keywords, which is how a lot of people learn languages themselves. If you go Mm -hmm. completely cold into a language, you generally, like, use context where you go, okay, that's probably home, because they're doing this and doing that, and then that's probably this, and from that I can learn this, and this, and from that... And that's often how people do learn languages. So it was kind of cool the Universal Translator did the same thing, where they were like, she's like, you know, goof, not, not, not home. And then I was like, oh, English. There's an English word in there. So like, keep talking, keep talking, you know. Like, And it was really interesting the way it kind of deciphered bits mm-hmm. and pieces and then got everything all at once, but still had like missed a few words here or there that are untranslatable. Right. That was really yeah. cool. So I agree. It was really interesting, yeah, to see that. Apparently the translator has been around forever, but they've been like, I guess put I into guess. star ships and into the com badges, like in the TNG. Got era. it. Mm-hmm. In the TOS, they had like wands and communicators. Yeah, and I do yeah. remember in um, one of the films, maybe Undiscovered Country. Yes, it's the part original of series. Country. Yes, they um, when uh, Kirk is on trial, he's using like a a, a separate device at the Klingon homeworld to, like, speak into so they can understand him and he can understand them. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. It's nice to know that you know, it's one of those old jokes is, like, uh, 
Star Trek, they go all across the galaxy and everyone speaks English. Mm-hmm. But it is nice to know that everyone must be speaking their own language, essentially. Which makes you wonder, like, does French and German still exist on Earth? Or does everyone speak basic now? You know, it's like one of those oh. weird questions. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's, that's, bringing, that's bringing in, like, 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 fan, like fantasy, type, fantasy type stuff. You speak basic, we speak high language. And you're just like, okay, shit. Look at you, you all fancy. It makes me think of that Doctor Who episode where the Doctor and Donna go to Pompeii, and uh, it's her first experience with the TARDIS's universal translator. And so she goes up to um, a gentleman in Pompeii who would have been speaking Latin, and she says something in Latin, and he goes, me no speak Celtic, like, you know, trying to gesture, like, I don't know what you're saying. And he says, Welsh, you're speaking Welsh. <laughs> which i loved that's hilarious so uh, the the universal translators in uh, in star trek seem to be a bit more advanced than that <laughs> i think but i don't know it was i like you know the idea of a universal translator because i feel like it would help people connect so much more even you know humans on earth who don't understand each other oh god oh yes. man yeah that would be I feel like it that is something that is possible. I've seen visual versions of that, at least for like written type, which is kind of crazy. Where like something that could be implemented in a future version of Google Glass that's not as cumbersome, but uh, basically it would like read, you know, let's say for this example, Japanese lettering, and it would like project it in front of you in your chosen language of choice. So like, that would be it would so literally cool. be like you had a, Isn't that crazy? Yes, yeah, so it's like you'd have a piece of paper that said like you know the street address in Japanese something and it would read it as like one, two, three, four, you know, this, this, this. Like yeah. So yeah, I'd like nice. the future. It's exciting. Yes. So if that ever happens that would be really cool. I think you can actually get that app on your phone. So You know, I, I think I have heard of something like that before actually. I just didn't know if it was still like in beta or it's really probably buggy. still like Google Translate problems, you know, like Mm-hmm. But regular translators haven't gotten like that good yet in terms of syntax yeah. and stuff, you know. So we got a ways to go, but the future's awesome, guys. And the Hopefully, there is one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see about the. We'll see about if any time travelers come back to stop the debates. We'll know. <laughs> then either they haven't figured it out yet, or we're doing something right but wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll figure out. We'll see. If a, if, a tra- if a time traveler shows up in one of the debates, you know it's bad. You know it ruined everything. Maybe 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 it's maybe it's like a that's so Raven situation. We, they 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 know they know what's gonna happen. They try to come back and change it, but by being here, they actually just make it happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, the classic time loop problem. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, isn't it crazy? Classic, the classic loop problem. It's always one or the other. I like. I always like preferred uh, Back to the Futures. Yeah, mess with the past. It's fine. Might end up better. <laughs> Your life's even better now. Look at that. It's great. Good job. <laughs> way, to, way to mess with the past. <laughs> All right. So our next episode is Rivals. In this episode, Odo uh, encounters an Elorian, Martis, who uses, uh, for those who don't know, Elorians are the same race as Guinan and uh, Soren from Star Trek Generations. Uh, sort of a race of ancient people who are known as uh, the listeners of the universe. Well, Martis isn't as wise or as <laughs> in-depth as Guinan. He's rather more of a sleazy conman. He uses his benches to make deals, and Odo catches him trying to, what we seem to be, con a woman out of her inheritance. 
Uh, Odo throws this man into jail, played by the lovely Chris Randon, who is perhaps most known to uh, most people as uh, Prince Humperdinck from The Princess Bride. Lovely, lovely actor. And Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas as well. Which I somehow have still, to this day, not seen in full. My God damn it, Peter. I'm sorry, it, I, but, Peter. To be, but, to be, but to be perfectly honest, to, y- to y'all and our listeners, my closest experience with seeing that movie has been playing the, has been playing the Halloween Town level in Kingdom Hearts. That's the closest oh. I've come. I'm very sorry. It, Peter. It's almost it's October. Hey, exactly. yeah. you got October and Christmas. Yeah. that's gonna bug you yeah, about I, it. Yeah, so. I, I now, I now at the very, at the very least for October, I now have like thirty-one days to be like, okay, get on this. Mm-hmm. Well, the perfect day to watch it would be, well, perfect the perfect time would be midnight at October because it literally starts at the end of Halloween. Uh, but if you're partying true. and stuff, don't like not do that. But you know, if you are home at that time, watch it then or watch it November first. Like that'd be the perfect time to watch it. This is true. Time. This is true. I guess technically you have to still watch it throughout the days, but that's fine. You don't have to like watch it in real time. That's just ridiculous. Don't be that nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, this uh, Martis character gets thrown into the brig. While he's there, he encounters a uh, dying man who has a device that he says is a device based on luck. Seems to be just kind of a cheap child's toy, but right as it wins, the man says, My luck finally came back and dies sort of ominously. Uh, Martis is not good at reading obvious uh, creepy Twilight Zone-esque warnings, and he <laughs> takes the device, and through its luck, it ends up setting up a bar and casino across from Corks, much to the dismay of said Cork. Meanwhile, while this is going on, O'Brien uh, plays a game of space racquetball with Dr. <laughs> Bashir. Uh... Dr. Bashir thoroughly trounces O'Brien. Both uh, O'Brien and Bashir... Um, well, O'Brien in particular seems very mad at Bashir, thinking that uh, Bashir was taunting him or playing with him because uh, he's so much clearly better at it than he is. While Bashir felt really bad about how bad he, uh, he trounced O'Brien and wanted to stop the game before, quote, O'Brien had a coronary. <laughs> so... Uh, they continue to play against each other, and uh, O'Brien gets madder and madder at Bashir for not uh, putting his all into it, while well, Bashir tries any reason to get out of it. This uh, leads to Quark deciding to set up a big match between Bashir and O'Brien to prove once and for all who's the best. Of course, Quark has to try to poison uh, Dr. Bashir uh, with a sedative beforehand to win the odds in his favor. While when uh, O'Brien and Bashir fight each other, they learn that uh, statistically the spaceship, which had already been experiencing minor accidents and weird things with neutrinos, has going through some kind of weird statistical anomaly. Because O'Brien is not only better than Bashir, he's shockingly better to the point that he can throw a ball anywhere at a wall and catch it in his open palm. We learn that uh, Martis and his casino set up replicators of this device which changes the statistical anomaly of the area around it basically creating different forms of luck for uh, Martis for a while this gives him lots of women and lots of money but eventually he loses it all resulting in finally him getting conned himself by the woman he met at the beginning who was actually a trickster eventually when O'Brien and Bashir play this battle they did determine that there was something wrong statistically they track this down 
to Martis's bar, blow up his devices, and Martis has one final bit of bad luck when the people who originally had thrown him into the brig and had let him go due to his change of luck now decide that he deserves to be back in the brig one more time. And we end with Cork telling Martis, uh, negotiate with him money to get Martis out of there in the most humiliating way possible. So what do we think of Rivals? I think that while this very much felt like a filler episode, uh, nothing too much happened to further any sort of plot line with the space station or otherwise, it was certainly a lot of fun. Oh, both yeah. to see Quark totally. getting flustered with the competition and uh, you know the, the dispute between O'Brien and Julian. Which basically, oh, yeah, totally will in, which basically will in turn is just sparking the... <clears throat> romance between the two of them mm-hmm. <laughs> yes uh, I enjoyed this episode too for the same reason you said Sarah like I said uh, it's sort of a mix of a Twilight Zone-esque episode with Martis with the whole uh, I have all this luck oh no no my luck um, mm-hmm. and a Star Trek episode uh, in Twilight Zone it's always magic in Star Trek we have to actually explain it that it's statistical anomalies and things to do with neutrinos and Wonderfully, wonderfully nerdy in its scientific detail, which I love. Um, and yeah, Martis is just a really fun character. He's just a really fun person to follow along with. I love Chris Randon as an actor, though I've just discovered this now. <laughs> He's an actor I've loved. I've seen him in a million things and just now put together who he was and all those things. <laughs> But uh, he's a really fabulous actor, and he's just so good as a smarmy, weasley son of a bitch. He's just really, with really a, good with at that. a wonderful, expertly executed shit-eating grin. Oh, yep. yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's interesting to see another Elorian who... I, I, I don't know if this, you know, they're said to be a race of listeners. I don't know if that, I would call that a power or an attribute or what have you. But it's interesting to see this, you know, trait of the Elorians being used for something not quite so good as Guinan, your friendly neighborhood bartender, who <laughs> slash therapist, who will sit there and listen to your problems and help you sort your shit out. Right, right. Where, where Martis spends all his time, his many 700 years on the galaxy, uh, trying to listen to the best way to scam you. <laughs> Just wonderful. Wonderful in the sleaziness. Yeah, with yeah, with Mar- with 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 Marta- with Martis, he's he he's scamming you and will take your money. With with Gyn- with Gyna, at least you at least you know she's at least you know she's a bartender, so she has a reason to take your money. Nah. <laughs> but she never she never takes it like. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, falsely or uh, under false pretenses. Oh yeah, true. like this this guy. Was the bar even paid for in TNG? You know what? Probably not, because yeah. uh, it's all replicated anyway. That's true, actually, right. yeah. So Quark right. is literally just taking advantage of everyone, because he could absolutely replicate just oh, yeah. about anything. Oh, yeah, that's what I like about it, is he, only, he gets all the stuff from replicators, which anyone mm. could go up to. He's just built a bar around them. Yeah, so you have to go. To I never thought them. about that before. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his his, pro- his profits come from people gambling and the and the replicator yeah. and, and the replicator rooms. Right, the uh, 
the much dis- uh, discussed gold press latinum that he gold treasures so much. Five bars of gold press latinum. You're just like, oh, <laughs> five. I th- it's only worth three. It's like five bars. Like, okay, God, here you go. I also did just really enjoy the O'Brien and Bashir thing. Like you said, it's it's more of just a fun character thing. But uh, I did like in general that the, their feud came from just a misunderstanding of both another, which I appreciated. Wasn't like either was being a dick. They're both being maybe O'Brien's being a little blowhardy, but in a reasonable way. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sure a little. Yeah, a lot of that was just transference, and in reality, he was just mad at himself for not being in as you know good shape as totally. he used to yeah. be. Although we did totally. get to and see shirtless O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, we got some really sweet scenes with the. Uh, we got a really sweet scene with him and Keiko, which is very nice. Oh, she gives him a scarf. And it was it, it was so sweet of her when 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 he when he first came back from after the beginning of the episode with him and Bashir playing, and she was like, "Yes, honey, it's to- yes, honey, I'm I'm listening, honey, honey, you're probably just overreacting, honey." And she's like, "Oh," <laughs> she she was very good at being like, "People slow down, it's fine, it's okay. it's okay to get older." But at the yeah. but, but but at the same time, I, I, I guess I guess it, I guess it's just me and and because and because and because I I and because I watch, and and, and I watch and and sometimes produce a lot of reads and throwing of shade. But for me, but for me <laughs> watching this, I was just like, is she? It was like, is she thro- is she being a shady ass bitch or she's just being like, honey, it's cool. <laughs> she's like, honey, people get older. It's fine. I was like, you need to stop that. <laughs> that is rude. This is your husband. <laughs> she's getting older too. We're all getting older, so I'm sure she's just trying to embrace that. Now you're right. Now if she gets like, he's like, "Hey, honey, you have gray hairs," and she freaks out, then she was being a shitty bitch. You fair on that. <laughs> but I did just enjoy it in general the, the interplay between O'Brien and Bashir. Right. And I also, yeah, it's funny that racquetball makes it, but baseball doesn't. But I guess it makes sense. You need less space for racquetball. Now it's space mm-hmm. racquetball with targets on the walls. Yeah, and, that, and now and now and like. now it's not just four walls. It's like technically seventeen because you're because you're in the giant whatever whatever is beyond an octagon in three D. Because I can't think of the word because I don't know it. I'm sorry. Some mm, kind of tetrahedron. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? What's it? There's one with like a certain number of sides. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I forget. There's there's a word dodecahedron, I, but that's that's probably a multiple of ten. Or maybe that's twelve. I think, so. I think that's twelve. I feel like dodecahedron is the shape of some of those like D and D dice. Yes, it's yeah, the twenty-sided yeah. dice. Is a twenty-sided dice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-sided dice is a dodecahedron. So you're right. Yes. Super nerd. I love how it was. You know, D and D that led me to that conclusion. I never even played D and D, but you know, I know I have a couple basic lore. For the basic uh, yeah, schematics. Yeah, we all we all know the mm-hmm. classic twenty-sided dice. It's part of yeah. pop culture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you should Can play you imagine? Some it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, I've I've tried, but I think I was like trying to make it more of just like a story rather than you know attacking something or looking for gold or you know advancing right. my character in some way. Then again, I was like. You know, this was probably ten years ago when I tried to play this. This is true. So. And and there and the, and the and the couple the couple of the couple of times I've played, there there were definitely moments where, where me and my friends like would just would just do 
dumb shit for the sake of be doing dumb shit and just being funny. Like, like I, I remember, I remember one, I remember, one, I remember one game I was playing. We, we had, uh, we had just, we had just defeated this guy, like, like who, who, who took a long as time, uh, a long as time to defeat. Thank, thank you, thank you, game master. Um, and and one and, and one and one of and one of one of us was like one of us was like I want to roll to slap his to, to slap his face and there was like but he's dead I want to roll to slap his dead face and it's like okay well go ahead it's like well go ahead well you well you know like roll roll the, roll the dice for roll the dice for strength okay you got a five roll the roll the roll the twenty sided dice for how, for how hard you do you got a seventeen you slap the shit out of his dead face and it's like yep sometimes it's just dumb and that's it's just dumb shit like yeah that that's where I think. Uh, D and D can be fun, yeah. Is when you're allowed to just be a little bit silly too with it, and you don't take it too seriously, right? Mm. So, uh, mm. anything else to say for rivals? Mm. Nothing I can think of presently because. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know one of our, our trepid uh, hosts needs to head out, so I will close out the cast now. Alright, I want to thank Peter and Sarah, as always, for following me along on this very fun journey. Of course. You can... Our theme song is brought to us by Captain Meat Shield. That you can find his work at cptn underscore meat shield on twitter.com. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can find all of our shows at tuscanshed.com. As always, please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us any way that you can. Whether it's on Stitcher, whether it's on iTunes, wherever it is, it can help view the show and share it. If you know a friend who likes Deep Space Nine, if you have a friend you want to get into Deep Space Nine, whatever reason, please share the show. It helps find new listeners. So, until next time, this is the crew of Deep Space Nine signing off. My, okay, my last word, I just want to say I'm very sorry, I know that we're closing out but I just want to say, Rivals okay. just to remind you all, Rivals is where we now have our favorite rule of acquisition Dignity in a sack is worth the sack I'll, I'll leave our listeners with that y'all have a good one <laughs> <laughs>